Once upon a time, on the coast of the East, there was the most fantastic woman that ever lived, Tracy Harrison. So flattering. Oh, I love it. Keep telling the story. And she sent a diamond jewelry care package to the most wonderful woman of the West, Rowan Hall. How did she do it? She went on to diamondjewelry.com and saw that they were selling care packages. They only started at $25, so she thought this is too good to be true. She told them all about Rowan and how amazing she is, and they created the custom care package of her dreams. These packages can include anything from candies, scarves, books, puzzles, candles, and so much more. If you, Trepid Adventurer, want to be wonderful and amazing like Tracy Harrison, all you have to do is go to DiamondJewelry.com. That's D-I-A-M-E-N-T Jewelry.com. Or head to Diamond Jewelry on Instagram. But wait, we have a mystical, magical coupon code for you, Fearless Adventurer. Use code WILLINGANDFABLE10. That's WILLINGANDFABLE with the number 10 at the end to get 10% off of your order at Diamond Jewelry. So go Sally Forth. Ooh, Sally Forth is good. (laughs) So Sally Forth to the wild world of the internet and be cool like Tracy Harrison and Diamond Jewelry. your uh, vacation guys tim uh it was good i was um drunk for most of it so i had a great time i just did nothing for a week i started reading cersei but i didn't get to finish it my one regret for the week is that i didn't get to read as much as i wanted to because my nephews needed a lot more babysitting than i expected so i didn't even get halfway through a single book but it was still lovely and wonderful you got to live that audiobook life. That way you can multitask. <laughs> yeah, Tim would just walk around the house with his big headphones with the microphone attached, plugged into his phone with a drink in hand, and just, I called him the ghost that wandered the house's halls as he just made his way through. I was just mainlining Warhammer 40k audiobooks the entire time. I'm on, like, book, like, 12 right now at this point. He's trying to speak to me. I know it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what on earth is that? I am going to start a sister Warhammer 40k podcast. People in the Discord, give me your support. (laughs) (laughs) You should all join our Discord. It is an incredibly fun place. We post memes and pictures of animals and to join it. Warhammer 40k content. Warhammer 40k content, apparently. Uh, We have some polls going on. All you have to do is go to our Patreon and anyone who joins at $5 or more a month gets access to our Discord. And if it's $10 or more a month, you get to vote on episodes and our mythic level donors are choosing our spooky season episodes right now. So jump on that. The current vote, the current secret vote going on right now, I have not explained to any of the voters. No, and you just have given not. People- three doors to walk through and which door do they choose and everyone's choosing the opposite of what i chose and i'm the one who has to listen to all of this so you guys suck don't make me be scared i didn't want to say it and make it sound like you didn't get a vote tracy but you kind of got outvoted i got super outvoted yes my people 
for clarity's sake, I voted for the non-scary option or the least scary option, and exclusively all of our listeners voted for the most scary option. Excellent. So on our Discord, we're very supportive, and we outvote Tracy. And if you want to be a part of that, join in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, speaking of which, hey, hi, I am Rowan Hall. I'm Tracy Harrison. I am Timothy Black. Ooh, we're going full formal this time. You want to add in a full name? Do you want to go middle? No, I don't want people to have that much information about me. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the very formal, very serious Willing and Fable podcast where we... (laughs) I'm sorry, where we talk about ancient myths, local legends, and why stories have staying power. (laughs) And welcome to our Whiskey and Fable mini-series. So grab your drink, tighten your bow tie for our very serious podcast about very serious history as we jump into bourbon and rye. Yeah, Tim Black, friend of the podcast, clearly he lives with Tracy, uh, historian, whiskey lover, is our resident storyteller, which means Tracy and I just get to sit back, relax, and sip our whiskey. It's true. Although... We say that as a joke. In reality, Ron and I are also working on many other projects, so not as relaxing as we pretend it is. It's all a ploy so that we have time to get other things <laughs> ready for you. <laughs> now that is the truth. <laughs> all right, Tim, for anyone who's joining late, tell us who the heck you are. I am Timothy Black, but just call me Tim. It's fine. Uh, if you see me in the Discord, just call me Tim. I am a trained historian and aficionado of whiskey, and I just love telling me some stories, and I'm happy to share one with you today. You have your master's in European history? Is that right? Uh, No, actually. I have my master's in criminal justice. I only have my bachelor's in history. How did I not know that? I am mysterious. He picks and chooses what he tells you he got his degrees in because he also got a poli-sci undergrad degree as well as a history undergrad degree and a criminal justice and homeland security master's degree. So really, it's just whatever mood he's in is what you'll find. It took me so long to find out what all of his education was. I am an enigma. I think it's important, since you are an enigma, that we clarify. Tim, I have been asked, is Black your real last name? (laughs) (laughs) Black is my real last name. Two quick jokes about that. One, when he first started dating my sister, my mom only referred to him as Sirius, and I didn't (gasps) know his last name was Black, so I thought my mom was just trying to imply that it was a serious relationship, and I was very confused. And then I learned (laughs) she was making a Harry Potter joke. Turns out it was both a serious relationship and a Harry Potter joke. Yeah, it could be both. Oh, The other thing is just that um, we all like to joke about if if Jamie and Tim ever get married and have kids, literally no matter what they name their kid with the last name of Black, they're going to sound like the protagonist of a YA fantasy novel. Mm. I want to lean into it. I want to like give them a Latin first name. So it's something like Lucius Black or Anastasius Black. So they sound like a vampire who lived 600 years ago. I'm into it. I support this. I'm always on team funky name, but my (laughs) realistic sister who lives in the real world (laughs) isn't as into funky names because she understandably doesn't want children to be bullied for having names that make them sound like a 600-year-old vampire. 
I want to know what qualifies as a funky name to you because I'm trying to think of like disco names right now. Ooh, spicy funky <laughs> disco names. Those I'm on board with. Share. Mm. Ra Ra Rasputin Black. Ra Ra Rasputin Black. <laughs> you should name your kid Rasputin. No. 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 He was no. such a scary real life dude. You're asking to be possessed if your name is Rasputin Black. Are yeah, you not asking for your kid to be possessed? What is the line here? I want it to hmm. sound metal without an actual demon showing up oh, in my okay, life. Oh, okay, 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 fair, fair. I, okay, I would say possession is welcome, but not for children under the age of 18. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to protect Ra Ra Rasputin for 18 years with your life. <laughs> So Tim won the last name lottery. Tracy, I thought you and I were doing great with our last names, but... No, you mm. know what the worst part is? Tim has a sister named Tracy. Does she spell it the same way you do? No. No, she spells it the right way. The wrong way. She spells it the wrong way. <laughs> with no E. Yeah. No E involved. I like the E. I didn't even know there was a no E option It's the more. Years. It's the more common option. Isn't it the boy way? That's what my grandmother said, but then she also spelled my name T-R-A-C-I-E for as long as she and I were both alive, so. Okay, I say boy way, just to clarify, in that, like, my name is also traditionally an Irish male's name. Any name could be any name, really. Except for apparently Rasputin. Anyway, it's time to drink <laughs> some whiskey. It's his last name. Fine, name your kid Gregory. That's a normal name. Gregory Black? Yeah, I would do that. Was his name Gregory or, like, wasn't it Grigori, I? Grigori. Yeah, it's the Russian version of Gregory. Yeah, name your kid Grigori. Grigori but Black? But then he shortens I, I to Gory Black? Gory Black! That's cool. That's metal. No, I think I think we're all agreed here. I think we're all in agreement. I commit on this podcast to name my firstborn son Grigori Black. You, have, you heard it here first. <laughs> okay, it is time for us to talk about some whiskey. Tracy wants to drink her whiskey. I really do. It's sitting in front of me. I really want it. Oh, you guys were waiting? <laughs> All right. So today, I am drinking Bullet Bourbon in honor of my brother-in-law as it was introduced to me through him and it's one of his favorite drinks. Hmm. Before I try it, I'm going to give you a little history. According to their website... In 1987, Thomas E. Bullitt Jr. fulfilled a lifelong dream of reviving an old family bourbon recipe by starting the Bullitt Distilling Company. Inspired by his great-great-grandfather, Augustus Bullitt, who made a high rye whiskey between 1830 and 1860, Tom left a successful law practice and risked everything to experience life on the frontier. Today, we're not the only ones who are glad that he did. I'm going to say it, Augustus Bullet, another quality yeah, name. If, if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. Augustus <laughs> Black. Augustus Even Black. better, perhaps. Augie Black, is that what you shorted to? August. I'm trying to figure out how Gus. people are going to ruin the name. Gus, you do Gus, Gus Black. I'm sticking oh. with Gory. I like Gory. <laughs> All right. Okay, back to the history. A tavern keeper in 1830s Louisville, Kentucky, Augustus Bullitt was dedicated to a single goal, the creation of a bourbon unique in flavor. After experimenting with countless varieties, he finally came upon a bourbon with the character he had long sought after. 
One fateful day while transporting his barrels of bourbon from Kentucky to New Orleans, Augustus Bullitt vanished. What happened is still unknown, and his creation nearly disappeared into history along with him. To this day, Bullet bourbon is distilled and aged in the Bullet family tradition. Their main founder guy was clearly transported to an alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to follow that lead. I want to know where that goes. Or maybe he met that old god we talked about in the last episode, that white stag of Aaron. Maybe it went across the sea. He met that old god. Or maybe he stumbled into a fairy ring. Possible. Or he had to roll whiskey barrels up a hill and then he fell asleep for a bunch of years. (laughs) I like that. He is the real Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) See, I heard heard rolling up a hill and I thought you're doing a Sisyphus thing there too. Just eternally rolling a whiskey barrel up a hill. Never to know a moment's rest. And never to have a drop. That's Tantalus. Ooh, Ooh, we can combine all three. He's got the Tantalus, the Sisyphus, the Rip Van Winkle, the Dick Van Dyke. Throw it all in there. See what comes out. (laughs) Augustus Bullet. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is that I found on their website they started something called the Bullet Frontier Fund. They describe it as, At Bullet, we are on a mission to support pioneers and communities pushing the frontier forward and shaping the world of tomorrow. As such, we have created the Bullet Frontier Fund and are announcing the launch of the fund with an initial donation of $250,000 to support the North American hospitality industry. As a start, the Bullet Frontier Fund will make donations to organizations such as the United States Bartenders Guild, Another Round, Another Rally, and Southern Smoke. Our initial focus of supporting the bar and restaurant industry recognizes that they are facing an uncharted world in which... What, where, and how people drink is fundamentally being reinvented, and with many facing extreme uncertainty, thousands of bartenders have nowhere to use their skills. Bartenders and our friends in the hospitality industry have always welcomed us into their bars and restaurants with open arms. Now they need our support more than ever. So I just thought that was really cool. One, their website is gorgeous. You should go check out the Bullet Bourbon (laughs) website. And two, I just thought it was really cool that they're taking time to give back to all different kinds of hospitality folks who are really hard hit right now. That's super cool. Uh, The Bartenders Guild is very much more well-known, I think, in L.A. because there's so many bartenders. We really like them. Mm -hmm. So give us a toast, Tracy. Okay. To Bullet and the Bartenders Guild and everyone else who's drinking. Oh, by the way, everyone who's listening, get your drinks ready. This is your moment. Yes, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It's welcome to be. But it could be water, tea, apple juice, soda, you know, other drinks. I'm not going to keep naming drinks. I'm going to drink my drink. My toast is from Atlas Obscura, and it was sent in by Carol Hurd from Hoboken, New Jersey. And it was a toast that her grandfather used to say. You're a gentleman and a scholar and a good judge of bad liquor. Cheers. Okay, so first I'm going to smell. I get vanilla and spice. Yeah, there's like a, a, a very something, something very warm that hits the back of your throat when you smell it with your mouth open, which I've learned how to do. So I have the tasting note by the chaps at Master of Malts. So I'm going to give it a taste now. Very warming and spicy. 
You'd say definitely whiskey for sure. <laughs> yes! She almost did a spit take. <laughs> okay, all right, back to the tasting notes. Honestly, I'm still just getting that slightly sweetness that comes from bourbon. It's just so, it's so spicy. Like that is really what I'm getting is like almost a cinnamon spice feel and it is so warming. I'm like, I feel hot now having taken a few sips. <laughs> okay, so tasting notes by the chaps at Master of Malt. Tracy, you were right on the nose. There's definitely vanilla. They also said bright with orange zest and toasted oak. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then on the palate, you're supposed to have further orange notes, followed by some warming winter spices. Good job. Mm -hmm. And a hint of tobacco leaf, which I love in a wine for sure. Tobacco-y flavor. I don't think I could ever pick that out. I think I, I don't think I have a sophisticated palate enough. But the finish is smooth and spicy. I would agree with that for sure. It's so good. Tim, are you drinking the same whiskey? I am also drinking Bullet. I guess I shouldn't have said the notes before you tasted it. Well, Tim, <laughs> Tim would get it hit the nail on the head anyway. <laughs> so then I pose a challenge. Mm. Timothy Black, describe your taste of Bullet as a person. <gasps> Ooh. Interesting. Only people words. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right. Let's give it a shot. Here we go. Oh, I'll give it a shot. That was funnier than... <laughs> <laughs> friendly, but like kind of like a roughhousing kind of friendly. Like they hit you a little too hard on the back at first, but then they wrap your hand around your shoulders and they jostle you a bit. And then you feel like you're kind of like in part of the group, you know? Is this whiskey a paladin? I'd say it's closer to being a friendly barbarian. Yes, that's the vibe I was getting. I love it, and I would agree, totally. That's such a good way to describe it. it. Like, it hits you a little hard, but then it's, like, very friendly. It makes you feel warm. Yeah. Well done, yeah. my man. Well done. Of course. Pull, pull up a place by my fire. I shall tell you stories. Oh, you are very small. It is, it is not a worry. <laughs> Bloodthirsty, but friendly about it. Uh-huh. Good way of going. <laughs> All right, I'm feeling left out, so I'm going to do my tasting right now. Okay, I have your notes in front of me, so no peeking. Good. So, friends, I am drinking Old Grandad, which is a whiskey I chose because when I was very young, my cousin became old enough to drink, and he was kind of going through this being new to 21, wanting to drink only brand name, like fancy liquors if he could, which mm -hmm. I get it. So my dad being, I mean, I can't say how he describes himself about wine and liquor on the podcast, but he would say he's like a wine jerk. Like ah. he has a lot of ah. opinions, but he is friendly about it and doesn't think that the label makes the drink. So okay. cheap things can be good. Mm -hmm. So he did a blind tasting with my whole family where he included all different whiskeys, although he told me he specifically did not include Irish whiskey because he knew it would win. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> My very Irish family right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he poured out a bunch of tastings. I was too old. I just, or too, I was too young. I just watched. But Old Granddad won. 
and it was this whiskey's only about 14 to 27 dollars for a 750 <laughs> it was the second cheapest whiskey they had at the time and it beat out some very expensive like hundred dollar wow uh, glass whiskeys so I, it's always been the one i keep in my house no matter what and i try not to tell people what it is or they get all scoffy about it it's <laughs> oh, very good so According to a gentleman named Nick writing for Breaking Bourbon, quote, this quality storied bourbon should have a place on every bourbon drinker's shelf. And I feel like storied is probably a good sign that this is a good whiskey for our podcast. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend this whiskey for old fashions, but I would not say that this whiskey is only good for mixing. So a little history Old Grandad Whiskey was created and named by Raymond B. Hayden, the grandson of Meredith Basil Hayden Sr., a name I'm sure you're familiar with, Tim. Raymond named this whiskey after his grandfather, Old Grandad, which makes me wonder if it was a family joke or his grandfather's actual recipe or it was just a marketing ploy. I do not know. It has a very high rye percentage coming in at 27%. So it is a spicier bourbon that might appeal to people who are iffy about sweetness. Though it's changed ownership a few times, the most interesting of these might be its time with the American Medicinal Spirits Company during Prohibition. (laughs) From 1920 to 1933, there was a constitutional ban on the importation, production, sale, and transport of alcohol in the United States. However, with a doctor's prescription, you could still get the, quote, medicinal whiskey that is old granddad. (laughs) (laughs) Wikipedia made it seem... Like it would be particularly easy to get this prescription if you suffered from blindness or injury. But I don't know that that's actually true. How injured? Well, they used the word, quote, lameness. Oh, that means you can't walk. Right. So if you couldn't walk, but then they also said people who had been recently injured. Mm. So, you know, I don't know, but I can imagine wanting that prescription if I had, like, been in a farming accident or something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so assuming you're drinking the hundred proof which i am if you look at the bottle you'll see right on the bright orange label the words bottled in bond i had no idea what that meant um so to quote our friends at breaking bourbon again To be labeled bottled in bond, the whiskey must be the product of one distillation season and one distiller at a single distillery aged in a federally bonded warehouse under U.S. government supervision for at least four years, and it must be bottled at exactly 100 proof. Additionally, the bottled in bond label must clearly identify the distillery where it was distilled and where it was bottled if different. Old Grandad today is part of whiskeys known as, quote, the Olds. Beam Suntory Brands, who owns the whiskey now, markets it with Old Overholt, which is a rye whiskey that's bottled in Pennsylvania since 1810. Represent. (laughs) That's said to be America's oldest continually maintained brand of whiskey, so go Pennsylvania, yay. Yay, Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) The bourbon gents who were actually tasting the 
40 proof pointed out something that I found really interesting. And that's a sweet nose, but a spicy palate. I've drunk this whiskey for years. Um, so Tracy has some new notes for me, but we'll see if I get closer. And my toast to you guys in honor of wheat and pharaoh. <laughs> Let us drink to bread, for without bread, there would be no toast. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story of when I first heard that toast? No, I pulled it from Atlas Obscura from a guy named Sean in Seattle, Washington. Thank you, Sean. I mean, where I heard it, they probably got it from the same source. But I first heard it at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair a few years ago during like a drinking toast singing performance. And Wait, my I one... was with you. It was the year before that. It was the year before that, that I first heard it. <sighs> okay. And uh, the friend I was with and I still say it to each other because we thought it was the funniest thing. I love it so much. I'm going to use it often. All right. Will someone pull up my tasting notes? I got them. We're ready to go. Okay. So the thing that I noticed today when I poured this bottle, and it's a brand new, super shiny bottle of Old Grandad, um, is that it is so sweet when it mm. goes into the glass. I always drink mine with an ice cube. So when it just started to melt, it really opened up. I would describe it as a very fall-like sweetness. Like, um, I don't know if I'd say caramely, but maybe like a buttery, sugary mm -hmm. sweetness. Okay. I don't know. But uh, not like tangy, not apple -y sweet, more yeah. like smooth sweet. I have no idea. Do you want me to read it to you? Uh, yeah, okay. Tell me if I'm right. <laughs> you did great. You did great. Um, so it says, there is an initial astringency that takes a second to blow off. Once it does, there is a classic bourbon profile of caramel and vanilla. Yay! That is paired with some honey, brown butter, and brulee bananas. That one's a little butter. Little there, but you you mentioned a buttery sweetness. It says brown butter, honey, caramel, and vanilla. Huh. And I... then it says a very light fruit uh, runs underneath the whole nose with a bit of fresh corn, keeping it company. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I would have ever gotten brulee bananas, but I love brulee bananas. Okay, so I'm actually going to agree with the um, bourbon gentlemen, the bourbon gents. It is spicier than it smells. <laughs> and it, this is super uneducated, but it really tastes alcohol-y. Like it's got that burn mm -hmm. that not every whiskey has right on the nose. And it's a, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for this. Uh, I would say this whiskey has got to be an old granddad who uh, smokes constantly from a mm -hmm. pipe mm -hmm. and says really mean things until you're on the inside, until you're in the club. I mm. think he's, he's seen some stuff, I think. like He's mm -hmm. seen some stuff in his life that made him like this. Yeah, definitely shotgun on the porch. Okay, <laughs> suspenders, white shirt, shotgun on the porch, whiskey in hand, pipe in the other hand kind of guy. What are your intentions with my daughter kind of guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good old dog hanging out with him. Oh, that oh. dog is so old. He's so it old, but he's so been there as long old. as you've known this man. You've known him for a while, so it's a little weird. <laughs> All right, that's my official okay. tasting. <laughs> so all of that's not in here, but <laughs> what it does say, <laughs> the taste is where the old granddad really shines. 
Caramel, vanilla, cinnamon, corn, nutmeg, and some pepper are the principal flavors. There are some very sweet dessert-like qualities to this bourbon with candied nuts, cherries, and a hint of fruit. Adding water or ice enhances the caramel and vanilla while simultaneously bringing out some additional savory notes of brown butter and something that reminds me of sage. Okay, I'm not sophisticated enough to get the sage, and I'm not getting a single note of cherries or fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I specifically drink this whiskey because it feels like one of those whiskeys that's like punishing you and being nice to you at the same time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's described as a little strong and numbing. Would you agree with that? (laughs) I I guess so. That's, I mean, yeah, sure. All right, my last question. At the end of it, with the finish, when it's fading away... Would you say that you taste graham crackers? No, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone with a more sophisticated palate than you apparently did. (laughs) If anything, I would say the finish is smoky. And now that I've someone has said pepper, I get that capsaicin quality, but I'm not no with the graham crackers. There are no s'mores happening (laughs) in this whiskey. (laughs) I would say I did a solid 59% 59% No, you did better than that. You did a great job. I was so impressed with you nailing the buttery sweetness. Hear that, family? I didn't get to participate almost over a decade ago, but here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it story time? Yes, now that we have drink in hand. All right. Well, I got one for you queued up here, if you're ready for it. Yeah, sure let's give us a hint. Give us a hint. This is the story of the brother's revenge. I'm, I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, that didn't make it any clearer for me. All right. Well, here we go then. This is a story about three deaths. One ends in fire, another ends in ice, and the last ends in vengeance. This is the story of the drunken butcher and the retribution of lives cut short by his inebriated rage. It was so cold. The kind of cold that bites right to your bones, that cuts through your layers of wool and cotton and chews right into your blood. It gnawed at the brothers like a dog with an ox bone. They were traveling, you see, making their way from their beloved mountains of Kentucky up to the frozen lakes of what was yet to be Wisconsin. They had chosen a bad time of year to make the trek with winter closing with all the chill fury of a banshee from the old country. Shivering in their woolen breeches and flannels, the brothers made steady, shaky progress through the frozen shores of Lake Michigan. Unbeknownst to them, they had just crossed from the newborn state of Illinois to the northern territory that would someday be nicknamed the Badger State. Their boots crunched on the frozen swamp water of the lakeside wetlands, and their breath fogged the air so densely you'd be forgiven if you'd have mistaken them for kettles. The older of the two, a skinny but spry boy by the name of Oliver, wrapped his shaking arm around the shoulders of his little brother. Although Oliver was taller than Patrick, the younger sibling was heavier, with a slight paunch and the beginnings of peach fuzz dusting his face. Both boys' lips were blue, and the color was draining from their faces. 
They had been foolish not to winter in that new town, now a few score miles back. Uh, what was it called again? Chicago? Now you understand it came as a great relief to the pair when, rounding a corner on the hillside, the light of a tavern fell across the dismal trail they followed. Patrick was the first to see it, thumping his brother on the back and giving a shout of relief. Civilization at last. Night blind, after walking in the darkness for so long, Oliver had to squint to make out the name of the inn. The happy cow, he finally made out, and shrugged in bemusement as he and Patrick rushed forward in their desperation for light and warmth. These Yankees had an odd way of naming their drinking establishments. To say that Oliver and Patrick barged through the tavern's doors would be unkind, but not inaccurate. The wind shrieked through the entrance briefly, and their coming was greeted by not a few grumbles and shouts to shut the doors. Still shivering, but already feeling the comfort of the roaring fire in the tavern's hearth, the boys did so happily. The inn wasn't much like the saloons they had back in Kentucky. Sure, there was a buck's head mounted over the fireplace, and there was some music being played by a pretty young lady in the corner, and that was all well and good. But the place was stocked with all manner of spirits and beers that Oliver and Patrick had never seen before. Nonetheless, they took a seat at the bar, a rough-hewn affair that looked like it had been cut from the oak yesterday, and waved to the barmaid. Still trying to rub the warmth back into their limbs, they were overjoyed to find that, in spite of the strangeness of this frontier Yankee tavern, the happy cow was host to their beloved Kentucky bourbon. Each of the brothers, neither of them older than sixteen summers, were regardless served a healthy helping of that golden spirit, and they gladly threw back a swallow of it. They each exhaled sighs of pure exultation as the liquor warmed their guts and brought color back to their cheeks. It was just then, as the heat and the fire and the rich smell of roasting fish washed over them, that they realized just how perilously frozen they had been before they chanced upon this tavern. Smiling, they beckoned the barmaid over and bought another round. She had a round, sweet sort of face, and her accent was something they couldn't quite place. French, maybe. Oliver knew that the French from up in Canada had lived here before the Yankees moved in. After being served their drinks, the boys rose from their bar stools and headed over to the fireplace to flush the last of the winter from their bodies. Most in the tavern paid them no mind although their clothing, far too flimsy for these frigid climbs, did cause a few of their number to cock an eyebrow. Oliver and Patrick crouched on a bearskin rug in front of the hearth and extended their arms, feeling the heat wash over them. The younger brother sighed and then glanced about the room, the single-minded urge to dispel the cold now fading, and his natural curiosity resurfacing. Most of the tavern-goers seemed to be the outdoorsy types, clad in beaver-skin hats and buckskin coats, huddled over rough wooden tables and making conversation amongst themselves. Occasionally, a shout of laughter or a cuss word would flare up over the low din, but otherwise, no one stood out. No one, that is to say, except for the butcher. At a glance, Patrick knew the man's profession. He had not bothered to change out of his apron before coming into the tavern for his nightly drinking. The off-white leather garment was stained dark red and brown from his day's work, 
and belted around his waist were a set of wicked-looking knives. A long, scraggly beard, matted in places with God only knew what, was the only hair that adorned his craggy, weather-beaten head. His eyes were heavy-lidded and bloodshot. It was as though he had not slept in weeks. For all the man's dishevelment and untidiness, his knives, they gleamed sharp and clean. He was drinking a strange green drink from a misshapen glass cup. Even from where Patrick crouched, the liquor reeked of alcohol and, and licorice. Had the boy been a bit more worldly, he would have known absinthe when he'd seen it. A bottle of the spirit was on a table to the man's left, still mostly full of the noxious beverage. To Patrick's mind, the butcher was thoroughly soused, off in his own grim, bloody world. And, while the boy was by all accounts correct on the former, he was deeply mistaken as to the latter. The butcher's eyes snapped to Patrick with unexpected alacrity, and a growl not unlike that of a grizzly bear rumbled from his misshapen maw. "'You're looking at me funny,' he slurred, his threatening tone drawing Oliver's attention as well. Patrick blanched, startled by the menace in the butcher's tone. "'Weren't looking at you,' he replied, his voice shaking. "'You were looking at me funny,' repeated the drunken butcher, a little louder this time. The patrons closer to the brothers quieted noticeably, a few of them scooting their chairs away from the butcher and the boys. "'He weren't looking at you,' said Oliver, stepping in front of his brother defensively. The butcher's eyes widened at this second denial, and he rose from his seat. His bulk caused the chair to creak audibly. He threw back the last of his glass of absinthe and reached out to grip the bottle. His hairy arms were corded with muscle, and his knuckles were white around the neck of that bright green spirit. "'You calling me a liar?' the butcher snarled, his deep voice sinking to a deadly hush. Oliver's breath was coming fast now, seeing the violence in the man's eyes. The butcher advanced forward. The older brother put his arms out in front of them in a placating sort of gesture, waving them as though asking for mercy. We didn't say that, Oliver replied tremulously. The butcher had a full head and a half on him, and weighed more than both brothers both times over. The butcher kept approaching, and in a twist of misfortune, one of Oliver's waving arms caught the side of that man's arm. The accidental strike couldn't have hurt the butcher in the slightest, but the drink was in him, and the blood was up. Nobody hits me and gets away with it. The butcher roared suddenly, lunging towards the older brother. With a blow that only a man of practiced violence could make, he smashed his bottle of absinthe over Oliver's head. The liquor soaked the boy's hair and clothes and mixed with the blood from his split scalp as pain lanced through the boy's skull. Though the butcher was not done yet. Roaring with drunken rage, the man lifted Oliver by the collar and with one vicious motion, tossed the boy into the blazing hearth beside him. The fire engulfed Oliver in an infernal wash of pain and terror. The absinthe greeted the flames like an old lover, and their union caused the boy's whole body to catch. 
Oliver was screaming, and Patrick's panicked wails soon joined him. Some of the bar patrons rushed forward to help, but most ran from that immolating teenager. Frantically, heedless of his own pain, the younger brother tried to pat down the flames, but his efforts proved futile. Oliver lapsed into merciful unconsciousness as he was consumed, but still, the butcher wasn't done yet. With a demonic, feverish smile of bloodlust and rage, he turned to Patrick and reached for one of the knives at his belt, which shined with all the hellish fire before them. Your turn, he hissed in a sadistic whisper. Torn between ministering to his dying brother and saving his own skin, a terrified Patrick screamed and fled from the tavern, his hands burned and tears streaking from his eyes. Laughing maniacally, the butcher pursued. Patrick did not know how long he ran. After a while, tearing through those frozen wetlands, the butcher must have given up his pursuit. The boy thought he was safe at last, but the butcher's chase was only the beginning of his problems. Now, it was the wolves' turn. Hearing the howls of those hungry predators drawing ever nearer, Patrick resumed his desperate, blind flight through the winter night. It turns out, he need not have worried about the pack finding him and tearing him apart. The cold got him first. By the time the wolves had closed in, they sniffed and swatted at the frozen body of poor, dead Patrick. The land that would be called Wisconsin was a lawless place at the time, and most of the folks who traveled that land were only passing through. The butcher was a fearsome man with a bloody reputation and a temper to match. No one wanted to stick their necks out to seek justice for two dead boys from the Green Mountains down south. A year and a day passed, and all was business as usual in the territory. Winter had set in again, and the trappers and herdsmen settled in to wait out its icy grasp. Travelers from around Lake Michigan stopped in now and again at the Happy Cow, where the butcher continued to drink his absinthe and snarl at anyone who looked at him funny. He had heard whispers that there was a ghost haunting the trails snaking through the wetlands. He dismissed it. It was superstition. One night, thoroughly drunk and muttering to himself in his usual irate way, the butcher departed the Happy Cow and staggered back to his cabin. It was then... He heard the growling. Squinting into the frozen night, swaying a bit on his feet, the man saw two points of iridescent blue lights moving toward him from the tree line. Who's there? shouted the butcher, slurring his yell as only an idle drunkard can. His only reply was more growling, a deep rumbling sound like ice grinding on stone. Finally, a shape began to manifest. It would be inappropriate to say that the butcher soiled himself when the huge black wolf prowled forward towards him, but it would not be inaccurate. The beast had its vicious fangs bared in a snarl, and they glinted like the steel of his own knives. The creature's breath did not fog the winter air, and, indeed, it seemed to make the air around him colder as it approached. Almost absent-mindedly, the butcher noticed the wolf thing left no footprints. Doing the first sensible thing he had done in the past decade, the butcher turned to run, 
but was met with an even more frightening sight. The thing, for what else could he call it, was taller than the butcher by, well, a head and a half. It was rail thin, emaciated, with charred black skin that stuck to its bones like the crackling on a roasted hog. And it was burning. Fires of a baleful red light poured from its eyes and mouth, and from gaps in its scorched hide where it had given way. It said nothing, but only raised a hand. It pointed at the butcher with one skeletal finger, and then it screamed. It screamed like the damned down in hell. It screamed like a horse with a broken leg. It screamed like a hurricane wind passing through the eaves of a broken church. It screamed like a dying boy who just wanted to find a place to be warm. The butcher, for his part, didn't have time to cry out himself. He was dead before he hit the ground, blood seeping from his eyes, nose, and mouth. And thus did the brothers find their revenge. It is said to this day, wintertime travelers passing through the wetlands by Lake Michigan recall seeing the specters Oliver and Patrick, the burning wraith, and the freezing wolf. It is said that they appear to speed these folks on their way, and to scare them into seeking safe haven from the cold touch of the deadly northern winter. And that is clearly our first spooky story <laughs> yes. to kick off the season. Yes. Inaugural spooky story. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love a story where everyone dies, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the barmaid, the barmaid was fine. She was okay. It's true. You know what? A story where no lady dies. That's pretty good. Yeah, just dead dudes. Just dead dudes. Um, that was visceral, though. It was really well written. Thank you kindly. I also feel like this is a story that says anyone who likes licorice flavor, <coughs> absinthe, <coughs> is clearly a bad person. Uh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> I'm obviously kidding because we don't yuck people's yum, but like. <laughs> As an individual with individual taste buds, we're allowed to not like things. Oh, definitely, for sure. But I am <laughs> noting this down in my diary of why I don't like black licorice. <laughs> Beware murderers. Yeah, not the flavor. <laughs> Tastes like murderers. <laughs> so, Tim, I have some questions for you about bourbon. I would love to answer them. Knowing not a single darn thing myself. Is it correct that to be a bourbon, it can only come out of Kentucky? No, it rules? must be made in the United States for it to be called bourbon. So you could have Tennessee bourbon, uh, New Orleans bourbon, Kentucky bourbon. It must be American distilled in order for it to be called bourbon. Otherwise, it's just corn whiskey. And all of our barrels that can only be used once, or at least some of them, get shipped overseas. That's right, yes. Uh, it's a typical practice that uh, bourbon barrels, once they go through one distillation process and one aging process, are then generally shipped overseas for, uh, as a throwback, Irish whiskey to be distilled in. Why do we only use them once? That feels so wasteful. 
typically uh, bourbon is only one barrel and done. That's what kind of gives it that crisp, sugary sort of flavor that we're used to, mm. is that it's not aged in an old barrel. Hmm. And the difference between bourbon and rye is that rye, I would say, uses rye instead of corn. Yep. Okay. Got it in one. <gasps> I nailed it, you guys. I did it. I read recently, though I don't, this is really anecdotal, that people will ship whiskey in the barrel around the world to give it a very specific flavor and that the sun on the barrel affects it and all these different outside things happening outside of the whiskey barrel itself. How is that possible? (laughs) Uh, Witchcraft? I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've never heard uh, of that. Yes. Witchcraft. That is a plausible explanation on this podcast. We accept it. Mm-hmm. Makes <laughs> complete sense. <laughs> now that we've had our drinks and we've heard our stories, is it time for something good? Oh, no, wait. First, before we do the something good, actually, Tracy, I pulled a five-star review for you to read. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, I love this. Okay. So I pulled it. And it is by a user whose username was over it today, which I love. (laughs) Relatable. I felt that was a signal. So, Tracy, it is up for you to read now. Okay. The title is, I love this podcast. I feel like I know these two after listening to their stories. The history and myths they pick are great, but I love the personal anecdotes. Definitely a must listen. Thank you. Thank you. Quick, Tim, say a personal anecdote so they keep loving us. <laughs> um, oh, oh no. I've forgotten every detail of my life. <laughs> you have a really cool cat named Monk. Yes, I do. Actually, that's, wait, wait, wait. Tell, tell the story of why you named her Monk and why that's now very funny. Well, I named her Monk because when I got her for the first week, she was completely silent. She would make no sound whatsoever. Oh. So I was like, all right, Monk. Like a vow of silence kind of thing. I'm being very, very clever right now. Good for me. (laughs) Then she found out she could scream and that would produce results. And now she does not shut up. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Can confirm. And it is my favorite cat naming fact but if you guys have other really fun or ironic cat names please share it with us i live off of this so i'm sorry she screams loud high-pitched meows very kitten-like meows though she's seven years old and she still sounds like a kitten when she Mm -hmm. but but with an adult cat's volume yes oh my gosh you guys have the two loudest cats in the whole world that's a fair characterization that is very um very much not inaccurate. Is Otto loud? Is there someone walking by the window? If if so, yes. Yeah, he does his woo 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 woo. So clearly, Otto is a dog. Otto is Jamie and Tim's dog. He's a little black pupper. Mm-hmm. He tries really hard. He's a good boy. <laughs> he tries sometimes. He's a good boy. <laughs> All right. On that note, Tracy. Tell me something good. Okay. My something good this week is actually going to take place 
pretty much right after we finished recording, um, Jamie, Tim, myself, and our good friend Emily, who you can find in the Discord. Hi, Emily. Uh, we are going to my first ever drive-in movie. We are starting off spooky season by going to see Night of the Living Dead at a nearby um, farm near us that actually every year also hosts a very famous haunted house. So it, it hosts the Bates Motel haunted house every year, but they're doing Cars Under the Stars this year, and we are going tonight to go see Night of the Living Dead at a drive-in. I'm so excited! That sounds so fun. I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My little uh, quarantine pod and I are going to a haunted house that's being put up in LA that is a drive through haunted house. Oh, Whoa. so cool. So you don't leave your that car That sounds at all. perfect for you, Tim, because you can't handle people yes. coming up to you. He's not scared of them. He just, he's afraid he's going to like punch them or something. Are you a puncher? No, I'm not a puncher. I'm too socially anxious about it, so I'm not afraid. (laughs) I just don't know what the appropriate reaction is when someone approaches me in a mask and tries to scare me. So I just stress (laughs) out about it. You should take notes from Tracy. She has my favorite... Tracy did my favorite thing that's ever been done in a haunted house when we went to Eastern State. <laughs> Which is that I got so scared that other people in the haunted house told me afterwards they thought I was part of it when they saw me walking around. Okay, so the story goes thusly. <laughs> uh, I went. I was back home in Pennsylvania. Tracy and Jamie came with us, right? No, it was just you, me, and your ex. Okay, so Tracy, me. Oh, right, Tracy, me, and my ex. and Because this was when I first met him. I got pulled away from the group and sent down this different, separate, spooky path. Which is a feature of it. You were, you, If you had a glow stick around your neck, you were allowed to be touched. And Rowan and this other person both had glow sticks, and I did not, which meant clearly they were going to make me walk through it on my own. And so they did. Um, and then at one point, I'm running down this long hallway because it takes place in an Old, it takes place at the Eastern State Penitentiary, this old prison, and I'm running down this hallway yelling for both of my friends, scared out of my mind, when Rowan's ex finds me and we, like, hug, and that's when people turn to me and say, hold on, are you a guest <laughs> in the haunted house? <laughs> we thought you were part of it. You were screaming so loud. I came up later when they were already hugging, but I remember seeing Tracy in the fog and I had heard you before, mm-hmm. and you were calling, mm-hmm. honestly, you sounded like a ghost child. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> I got thrown into a dentist chair and had spooky dental tool sounds thrown in my face, so. Yeah, you did. <laughs> anyway. If anyone is even remotely near Pennsylvania, go check out their Eastern State Penitentiary. I don't know what they're doing this year with quarantine, but... During non-quarantine times, it is an excellent haunted house. The best. Okay. Rowan. Hmm. Tell me something good. Hmm. Yes, I shall. So I've finally committed I'm going to gift myself a purple mattress. That was my decision late in the evening last night. And I'm saying it as my something good. Mm-hmm. Because so you have to follow through. So I mm-hmm. have to follow through. And because I'm so excited... I have had the pleasure of trying multiple purple mattresses and oh my God, I swear they are like the mattress of the future. I don't even know, but my current mattress is eating me alive. 
Mm. Like it opens its giant springy maw each night and swallows me whole and then spits me out as this crumpled version of myself. <laughs> Relatable. My mattress does the same thing. I Kind of why I'm mentioning this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you have to let me know. I mean, I was going to say you have to let me know how it is, but clearly you know how it is because you've used other people's and loved it. So maybe I have to just take the plunge. Yeah, um, sidebar, Purple Mattress sponsor us. Um, you can sponsor us. I'd love to do a trial run on one of your mattresses and then talk about it on our podcast about how great it is. Happy to do that for you. <laughs> our pleasure, truly. <laughs> truly. Our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to do it now. It's a present to me. I'm very excited. Anyway, Tim, did we buy you enough time? You have bought me enough time. All right. So, Tim, tell us something good. I actually did not need bought time, uh, but I am going to hijack my something good. Oh. And I'm going to take my something good time to plug the Milwaukee Freedom Fund as part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Please get out there. It's a great initiative. You do so much good by supporting them in any way you can. It's needed because Black Lives Matter and we got to do more. I love this. Yes, this is amazing. Keep This is exactly the point of something good. Okay, can <laughs> yes. you tell us more about the Milwaukee Freedom Fund for anyone who's not familiar? It is primarily a bail fund for protesters or activists who are arrested uh, for standing up against racial injustice. A lot of these folks do not have the funds or money to get themselves out of a holding cell, even though most likely when it comes to trial, they've done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is to get them back out there, back with their families so that they can start living their lives and pick up the fight again. So we are going to put the link for the Milwaukee Freedom Fund in our show notes so you guys can find it more easily. Yep. As well as the recommendations page on our website, willingandfable.com. Absolutely. So there will be two places you can find it. We highly recommend you look into it. We had no idea Tim was going to say this, but we love that you did. Thank you. The last thing that I want to remind everyone um, is to please continue sending us your listener stories, your listener legends, family Mm. lore, spooky tales. You can send them to us multiple ways. You can do it in the Discord if you're part of the Discord. You can send it to our Willing and Fable Gmail, just willingandfable at gmail.com. We also have a submission form on our website. So if you go to willingandfable.com, you can go to the contact section, fill it out nice and easy, and it gets sent right to us. We love, love, love hearing your stories, and we will continue to read them out on the podcast so that you can share them with the world. Yes, and I want to specify they don't just have to be ghost stories because I know those are the ones that we've shared so far. But listen, if you have an old granddad who sits on a porch with a dog that's older than rocks, like those are the stories (laughs) we want. (laughs) Or if you did something really embarrassing when you were a teen or you experienced something cool during Y2K of ways you can share stories. We love hearing it from you guys. It could be literally anything. So don't be shy. There's a ton. Or if an ancient, unknowable God is your Lord and Savior. I mean, put that in there. Proselytize. <laughs> preach it. Yeah. You know, Tim's a big fan of uh, Nair Lathotep, who you'll hear about in our future episode coming up soon about uh, classic horror. I know I probably said that in a way that made most of you cringe. A lot of people say Nair Lathotep, but it's Egyptian That's the right based. way to say it. It's the right way to say it. Nair Lathotep. Yeah, I will die yeah, yeah. on that hill. I'll die on that hill, too, because it is Egyptian-based, and that is how you would pronounce it. So, 
Anyway. As the person on this podcast who never says that word because I think I'm going to get it wrong, I only write it. <laughs> <laughs> we call him Lot because it's a D&D thing that we he's in one yes. of our D&D campaigns. But we apparently, Tim, what do people in the fandom call him? Gnarly. Gnarly. <laughs> wow. So anyway, if you worship Gnarly, you can also write in and let us know. Cthulhu's fine, too. <laughs> I want to say one last quick thing. If you do send us a story and you do not use our online submission form, which is totally fine. We will accept it any way it comes. Please, please, please include your pronouns and what you would like us to call you on the podcast. That's super helpful because we want to identify you exactly how you want to be identified. Otherwise, you're probably going to end up being anonymous. So (laughs) we'd love to shout you from the rooftop. So definitely include that if you email us or Discord us. All right. We did some bookkeeping. We did some good things. We drank some whiskey. We talked about some good things. And we're all going to go research the Milwaukee Freedom Fund. Absolutely. Have fun at your drive through movie, guys. <laughs> Thank you. I am so excited to... Actually, what I'm really excited about, in addition to my something good, is that Tim and I have Indian food waiting for us downstairs. So I'm going to go downstairs, eat Indian food, go pick up some delicious snacks, and then go to a drive-in movie. So really, my night tonight is just looking incredible i'm gonna have chicken nuggets at home and get work done (laughs) also valid and wonderful also amazing (laughs) proud of you look at her she's making moves she is a boss babe she's getting work done she's glowing it is this this is this is an audio medium no one can look at her That's why I'm using, I'm painting a word picture. Just picture this beautiful No, we have a rule. You describe her as a whiskey, not as a person. You're right. Okay. She is... um, Citrusy. She has notes, initial notes of warming sweetness that translate into a spiced vanilla as you further get to know her. All right, I'm blushing so much, everyone, or tell a foe, and we'll see you soon, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you like what we're doing, (laughs) no, that's not what it is. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we're doing, tell a friend. Tim, say tell a foe. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for joining us for the willing and fable podcast this episode was written and produced by tracy harrison and rowan hall that's me our music was written and performed by taylor ash and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of ancient myths, local legends, and stories with staying power.